Hi, I'm Alex Palmer, and this is the Black Dog Cast, a podcast with a very simple aim to get more people talking about mental health. I've been pretty open in talking about my own experience with depression. And in this podcast, you'll hear from people who've got a similar story to share, or from therapists and other experts I've met along the way. In this episode, looking at the complex issue of mental health in the workplace. There's some pretty shocking stats about this. Depression or anxiety are responsible for 54% of all working days lost due to health issues in the UK. Apparently one in five people take a day off due to stress, yet 90% of these people cited a different reason for their absence. Even more worrying is that 9% of employees who disclose mental health issues to their boss reported being disciplined, demoted, or even dismissed. Clearly then, despite the huge impact, the workplace is still a pretty unfriendly place when it comes to mental health. And telling people at work about mental health issue is still a very difficult and risky thing to do. So to tackle this subject, I'm joined by a business leader who's confronted these issues head on, Stephen Moon, who's the CEO of sports nutrition company, Science in Sport. Stephen shares his own mental health story and talks about his decision to go public with it after years of writing an anonymous blog on the subject. He describes the overwhelming positive reaction he's experienced and the impact it's had on the business he leads. We also dig into why there's still such a stigma around mental health in the workplace, and why ultimately we need more senior business leaders like Stephen to start talking about this. So let's get to the podcast. So Stephen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Alex. So I think I stumbled across your blog on LinkedIn one day. I think somebody that I'm connected to had had uh, liked it or commented on it, and I and I dug into it, and 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 it seems like you've got a fascinating story about um, you know, telling your experience with depression in the world of business, um, which um, I'm keen to dig into. But why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of who you are and 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 what your story is, and and sort of a bit about your professional path. Yeah, yeah, my uh, yeah, my, uh, my my professional path's quite unusual because I left uh, I left school when I was sixteen in in uh, in a rebellious act, which I can um, probably now trace back to the early beginnings of my serious uh, mental health issues. So I uh, I sort of played around in various jobs for a few years. Um, I was a postman, which I really enjoyed. I worked in a meat packing plant and. Uh, then I thought I'd better get serious and get a proper job in university commerce. So, so I, I ended up then working for a, um, yeah, a number of quite big corporations, and um, and I did that till um, I did that to my mid forties. Actually, I held some fairly senior positions in global corporations, and uh, at that stage, I decided to strike out on my own and be entrepreneurial uh so yeah it, it, it was uh it, it was a big move going from one of the world's biggest pharmaceutical businesses to a startup with uh, a few quid in my pocket and no wages so i did that um um bundled around in that for a few years anyone yeah you, you can forget the romanticized um uh, the romanticized image of startups. It was hell on wheels for a oh, few years. Oh, I know. I've, I've I've been there and done that. It's <laughs> yeah, man alive, man alive. It's it, it's um, most days you're just looking to survive. Um, so so after a few years of surviving, I I actually um, managed to um, I managed to deliver on one of my ambitions, which was to buy the uh, science and sport business, which was um, a small business doing about four and a half million revenues. So I managed to persuade investors to back me to buy that. Um, 
um, it was mainly in the cycling world. And since then, uh, we've in, in the nine years following that, we've we've gone on to build a reasonable business. Um, we'll probably, yeah, we've got about two hundred and forty staff. We're going to sell about sixty million uh, pounds with the sales this year. We sell products in a hundred companies uh, in a hundred countries. So we've um, we've gone from a very very small family business to a decent size um, small to medium business, and uh, we're still growing very strongly. So um, I think I'll hang around until we've. Uh, grown it quite a bit more so yeah it's a good fun business but it came from a very very small start to becoming yeah to be fair recognized globally in elite sports so yeah it's a nice business to run it's good fun and and just to to give us some context then you guys sponsor some quite high profile um you know professional athletes and teams right yeah yeah we um we sell product to 250 um 250 uh, leading sports teams around the world. Um, our longest standing relationship is with what's now called Ineos Grenadiers. So we've worked with Dave Brailsford and his team for seven years now, I think. So got a very close working relationship with Dave and the team. Um, we do sell product to the majority of the professional cycling peloton. So we, 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 we are quite big in cycling. Um, and uh, then we branched out into professional soccer. So 125 professional soccer or football teams around the world. But again, big scale, you know, every single premiership team in, uh, in, in England uses our product. And then more latterly, um, we've started to supply National Basketball Association teams and NFL teams in the USA. So we're just trying to branch beyond cycling now um yeah so yeah it's going well yeah we, we we're the official uh, we're the official performance uh, uh nutrition partner to the milwaukee bucks over in the states the uh the reigning uh, nba champions yeah, yeah so, I, you know yeah. you know you know you're doing something well when professional sports teams are buying your product <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The only, um, I, I've, the only time I've ever been, I, I obviously meet a lot of professional athletes, and the only time I've ever been awestruck by an athlete was I was in an ele- in an elevator in San Francisco once, and the door opened, and LeBron James walked in, mm-hmm. and uh, and and I was awestruck, you know, and and the proudest moment this year is actually that we now provide product to lebron james as one of our customers so you know for me that's uh that's a big one that's yeah. a big one yeah to, to be at that level of sport the really big names the big teams it's quite a buzz you know i get sharp bed in the morning yeah i know it's it's i guess it's why i've worked in the bike industry for 10 years and i i, I spent uh a couple of those working for the the garmin team which was you know it was the yeah. same thing it definitely gets you out of bed in the morning and it's um you feel very privileged it was i i am um, Paris Roubaix was this weekend, and um, I've got a, a poster in my parents' house which Cliff Bar made um, yeah. to commemorate when Johan van Sommeren won Paris Roubaix. I and remember it was, it was ten years ago. I couldn't believe it was ten years, and that was probably the single best day I had working for that team. We were on the course in a van and seeing the race at different points, and then we had no idea he was in the lead. We get to the velodrome like ten minutes before the finish, and looking at the big screen, it's like holy shit! Like and nobody yeah. thought he was going to win. <laughs> It was amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I mean, the sport's a real buzz. We um, we developed a product specifically for um, 
um, Team Sky at the time, Chris Froome, when he won the Giro. And that was just one of my finest days because I were head of, head of science, developed the nutrition plan for the day. We came in with a special product for the day. And, and yeah, the, when he came back from the dead and won that stage and went on to win the Giro, what a buzz. That was yeah. that crazy stage near the end and he made a, a ridiculous yeah. attack well, and yeah, nobody yeah. thought he was going to win, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. He made he, he, he had a few iffy days and then he made a break with 89 kilometres to go and everyone thought he was just going off the front for a while and he did, yeah, yeah for 89 kilometres. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, it's a great, it's a great sport. And, by the way, I am... I, um, Sad to admit, I watched every minute of Paris Roubaix this Sunday. Just gone on the TV. It was a classic. Oh, classic, it's the it's, it's the best race of the year. Like it's uh, and and I think like most fans, everyone was so happy it was raining. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I mean, the riders are warriors, aren't they? When they come yeah. over, like just you know, just the eyes visible. <laughs> have um have have you ever ridden any of of the sections of the course? I have, yeah, yeah, a long time ago, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I to be honest, really confession, I just, I just gave up. I just can't get my head around riding over a cobble, yeah. Because uh, I'm, I'm pretty big anyway. I'm a hundred kilograms. I'm six foot five and a hundred kilograms, and going over cobbles, I thought this is not fun. And that's, the fact, the I think they do fifty five kilometers on cobbles during the race. I mean, dream on, yeah. That's um no, that's your natural terrain. I'm I'm not dissimilar. I'm like six one mm. and probably eighty five, mm. ninety, and and I love those cobbles because oh, I can't it's, stand it's it, like it's it's <laughs> revenge time against all the guys you ride with who are like skinny climbers that that beat you up yeah. the hills. But the um yeah, the Paris Base Sportif I think is is one of my favourite events to to do. All right. I must, uh, I must reconsider that. In a, it, um, in a moment, he said in a moment of stupidity. Or just, just think it's an excuse to get a new bike, right? You need, you need, yeah, a, yeah, you need a yeah, specific yeah. bike. For it. Um, all right. Well, look, let's. Um, I wanted to just dig into a little bit. Why don't you tell us a bit about your sort of history with um, depression and and you know mm. what what that sort of looked like over the years? Yeah, it, that's a really good question because. Um, it's a good question because it takes you so long during the if, if you're not aware of what's going on and you don't have the tools and the support network um, around you and um, supportive family, then you can go for many, many years without even realizing you're depressed. So I just remember being, um, I remember being a teenager and being quite anxious all the time and uh, always imagining you know some it, it sounds laughable now but i was always imagining some great catastrophe like um a nuclear bomb would wipe out the world or something i'd get a very serious disease and i always i used to sit there as a teenager quite isolated and unhappy thinking about all these deadly scenarios you know and uh, just letting them go around in my mind and and at the time you know, it was just, oh, he's a bit quiet, isn't he? He's a bit, you know, he's, he's, he's a bit introverted. And and it's only later when you get into it, you realise anxiety and depression was with me all the way back then, but it didn't have a name. Mm-hmm. Uh, you definite, not only did you not speak about it in the workplace, um, um, yeah, you just didn't speak about it full stop. I think it's it's really hard when these things happen when you're a teenager, right? Because I've, I've, yeah. I've, you know, I've had the same thing as I as I've been more open about it. Literally, only within mm. the last 
five years, right? So it's probably mm. since I've since I was forty, and mm. and you think about and, and I talk to my parents and and they're sort of like, yeah, we could see that when when you were a teenager, and it's really hard when you're a teenager to separate out like, does this kid have a mental health issue or are they just going through teenage years? That, you know? and, and, that, <laughs> and, that, and that's exactly what it got laid off on, you know. He, oh, he's just in that, he's a teenager, he's going through that adolescence, blah, blah, blah. And because it, it, that's easier to talk about than it is to say, well, there could be something else going on for yeah. him, yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's very, he's very intelligent. He keeps himself to himself. He's always writing or drawing something. You know, it all gets, there's a convenient wrapper of language he's used just to shove it aside. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, so that was the early years. So, but um, I got to say it was, it got worse as I got older, but um, I still, I still didn't have a name for it. And I've got to say it was going into my forties before, I sort of really started to face up to it. And and I'm sure a lot of people who've uh, suffered with uh, uh, depression and anxiety, um, mental health areas such as that, you, you feel like you're sort of on an oscillating wave. So you can go through long periods of um, feeling okay or, or what your, whatever your version of okay is. And then you'll just be aware sometimes of this um, thing creeping up on you but you're a bit like a frog boiling in water so you don't actually <laughs> you know you don't actually know the change that's happening to you and and the unfortunate side of that is um you know without any help or any framework to help you recognize and deal with it you're almost at crisis point before you know what's going on so for me crisis point would be not sleeping for weeks on end you yeah. know just snatches of sleep and then the other one would be just um, just an outburst of temper out of nowhere, just completely irrational, you know, just bang, just an outburst of temper out of nothing. And and the first time I really, um, the first time I really confronted it was exactly on that. I, two guys I worked with for a lot of years who who I've got a lot of time for. Um, we were chatting about something. It was a business conversation, and, and we sort of closed it off. And then we got to the end, and all of a sudden, I just um, flew at him. You know, I just started barking something angry. I'm not. I couldn't even tell you to this day what it was. And and they were whoa, uh, quite shocked. Um, and and um, I sort of I sort of calmed down. I I, I got. I, I tend to find I get these outbursts and after I feel very exhausted, like I've been kicked around the park. But then I said, let's go for a walk. And and, and as it was, we were near a park and we went for a walk and um, I said, I think I'm depressed. And um, it was the first time I'd ever said the words, I think I've been depressed. And, um, and these guys were great about it. They just um, said, well, look, we're here um, do whatever you need to do. Uh, we'll support you. Um, and, and, and that was the first time I put words to it. And I went and found, um, yeah, I went and found a, a therapist at that stage. I went, uh, I worked with a psychotherapist for two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was my first round of psychotherapy. Uh, and I found it very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I found out a lot of stuff about my early life that obviously had happened but was buried. So that was quite um 
quite shocking. Yeah, it's quite shocking. And I went and told, uh, I think I went and told my sister, I said, wow, I've been in therapy and you told me this. And she said, you, you told me that 10 years ago. I went, no, I didn't. She went, yeah, you told me that 10 years ago. So the human mind's got this way to take some things it doesn't really like and bury them. And it, yeah. you can get dragged out again and then you can bury them again. And, and I believe my sister, if I said I told her, because she replayed what I told her and I went, well, yeah, shit, that's just what I told the therapist. I didn't tell you that. So so it was helpful in that way. Um, yeah, it was helpful in that way. Then I had a break, moved to London, had a break from therapy. Same thing started to happen again, two and a half years more in therapy um i got worn out with it at the end there's only so many times you can talk about your childhood you know yeah. i mean that, so that just, sounds just, really uh, just say what, what what type of therapy was it this was sort of like psychodynamic um uh, yeah it was it was psychotherapeutic psychotherapy okay so As, it was yeah. yeah it was freud and all that got it so, got it okay have, yeah, you, have okay. you ever done sort of um uh, behavior therapy like you know cognitive behavioral or any of these other yeah types. well yeah i mean yeah i'll come to that in 30 okay. seconds because <laughs> i um yeah and so, so i did therapy twice and and and, and then oh, i gotta say three or four years ago it was starting to creep up on me and i thought i'm not going to do that lie down and tell me about your childhood stuff and mm -hmm. i uh I, I went on antidepressants for the first time and um yeah, that, that's the first time you do that. It's a big step in your mind because you're thinking, am I just dependent on a chemical now? Um, there's this awful waiting period where first you feel worse yeah, and then you feel no better and it's a few weeks. But it was helpful. And then I came off those. And then two years ago, um, funnily before COVID, not, uh, I'll tell you about the weirdness of COVID at some stage, no doubt. Um to, before COVID, I started to feel really bad, the worst sort of episode of my life. And um, I, um, I I went back on antidepressants then. Um, I was on them for a period until early, earlier this year. Uh, it wasn't getting better. It was getting worse. Funny, as, as the world got to grips with COVID, I got worse again. And, and then just quite recently, um, I've started cognitive behavioral therapy and i'm on session five mm -hmm. yeah and i'm still trying to find my way through um I'm, yeah i'm still trying to find my way through it is the honest truth I, I i can see the use of it um yeah i can see the use of it and, and i'm also seeing a psychiatrist for the first time so um so i'm seeing a psych psychiatrist and, and then a therapist to talk about uh, cbt so i'm getting double team right now i'm getting all the help I can yeah use me, and more, me too know. me too <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah it's been um yeah weirdly i was having this really bad time um i told the people uh, call it two years ago maybe late 2019 and um again it's just a tribute to the human mind. It's really, really odd how it works. I was having a bad time. I was talking to people close to me about a bad time. They were being very supportive. And then one day COVID hit the country. And like most businesses, we our business was in distress really quickly, mm -hmm. really quickly. Um, and my mind just cleared. Um, and I was very, very focused and we got it all sorted out and we cleaned the business up. We made it leaner. 
um, came out of it growing like hell, um, more profitable than it ever has been. And then as soon as that phase was over, we've gone through the crisis, my mental health issue returned. So it was almost like a crisis said, I know you've got this stuff going on in the background, but we need to draw your attention to you better make the company survive here. Yeah. So it's very, very odd, very odd to happen how, yeah, how a crisis just took me away from mental health for a year. And then, but then, then just dropped me straight back in it after I went, right, we've done that bit now. Here you go. Uh, do, do you, do you find that your, um, it, it's, is your mental health triggered at all by work or, or does, does work actually help you deal with it? No, I'm, um, I'm, um, I love, I, I love doing what I'm doing. So I sort of, yeah, I, I love my work. Um, it's sort of my create, you know, it's my creative space. So I really enjoy work, work, definite work definitely, um, doesn't trigger it. Um, I was talking to, I was talking to one of the many medical people I've got helping me a couple of weeks ago, actually, I said, what, what's really odd with mental health and anxiety is I can get very, very anxious about something routine. And I can play it over in my head again and again and again and again. I can waste a whole weekend on this thing, minor thing. But when it comes to a big business decision, just calm, clear, rational. And that's why it's such a hard beast to tackle. You know, mental health is a hard beast to tackle. It's big decisions which written down on paper you think oh they will be crushingly stressful i just go yeah i'm an experienced guy um you know i've been around i go yeah we we are going to do this we're not going to do that here's a decision dead clear a small issue it's like a bee buzzing around in my head for days and days and days so the anxiety comes it's almost like a white noise you know yeah do you um you know people talk about um sort of uh, the, the the balance with mental health issues is how, how it skews towards things just being purely bio, biological like you know we have a brain chemistry issue and and things with neurotransmitters maybe don't work properly versus them being environmental as in they're triggered by stressful life events that, with with your own sort of experience yeah. how, how, um, where, where, where do you sit with that I mean, I, I'm yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit of a curious type, so uh, I do a lot of reading. In fact, when somebody suggested I tried CBT, I read a whole book on it. And then I had my first session of CBT, put uh, put Zoom, put the Zoom uh, switch Zoom off, and immediately bought another book on CBT and read it again. So I've done a sort of a lot of reading and research. I, I sort of lean towards there's a brain chemical imbalance, um, mm-hmm. but but. But what what I um, what I found out in that well I, I had a well I had a pretty traumatic childhood for uh, reasons I probably don't want to go into publicly. But yeah, it was what happened in my childhood set me up for some things which a CBT therapist would say they're your core beliefs. You know, mm-hmm. they're your core beliefs. Um, um, so I had I had events back in my early childhood, and then today, I could you could make a rational case for saying it's trauma somewhere in your life plus chemicals. You know, um, I can imagine some people. You know, the stress of work might lead them to depression. For me, it happens to be the opposite to the point 
if I if I didn't work or do something testing, I probably would. Uh, I'll probably be worse, not better. You know. Yeah. What about? Um, so you obviously work in the you know in the sports nutrition business, and yeah, and, yeah. Like, you know, you 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 you've probably got some some great scientists and things on your team has that mm. has, has there been any any crossover there i'm wondering if the things that you that you're involved with in in work does that inform sort of i don't know supplements that you take or diets or that you know that sort of side of managing your, yeah. your health and wellness yeah yeah i mean some of our um some of our sports scientists have uh, um, yeah, they're very highly regarded globally, and our chief scientific officer is is definitely a a global expert. And he and I chatted a lot. Um, and things like inflammation, you know, we've got products that help lower inflammation. We've just um, we've just launched a range of products, which um, nootropic products, which help mood and sleep and things like that. So, um, mm-hmm. and Professor James has got a lot of scientific support around the benefits so and all all that range came about because the sports nutrition industry has advanced so much because at the start it was just make sure they're hydrated make sure they've got enough carbohydrate and give them a protein drink after yeah but the minute you start working with very elite teams um in the oscar entity as man united you suddenly realize um how bigger parts of a professional athlete's life stresses and not just the stress of competition and training, but the stress of travel. Um, so we actually started developing things like sleep products to help athletes with, um, finishing a match and getting straight on a plane home or flying, uh, flying across a different time zone. And we, so we've done a lot of work in, in all those areas. And, and so actually, if our guys develop a new product, I'm always the first to take it. Just give me that. And um, <laughs> and, 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 and and secondly, um, secondly, Professor James, he's just, I mean, he'll bury it in data that shows the link between um, exercise and mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, so he is... When he heard I was, uh, when he heard I was having a few issues, he's straight on the phone. Are you doing your exercise? And he, he, yep. he'll bury you in papers that say exercise is proven beyond doubt to um, help more positive mental health. So yeah, the 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 theory I have, so my my personal experience with exercise, I find that because I've always done it, I don't get a lift from it. It's just if I don't yeah. do it, I feel bad. If you don't do it. <laughs> yeah, well, if you don't do it. Now, it's funny you should say that because this year I tore a meniscus in my knee and it stopped me training for a handful of weeks. Now, mm-hmm. that's when my most severe dip occurred. Now, that I could be trying to reverse engineer it into it, but I'd have probably dipped anyway. But the fact I was sort of laid up from exercise for a handful of weeks didn't help at all um and if i don't exercise for a few days my uh my wife who's very supportive of me will throw me out the house and make me exercise because she can see the effects of not exercising on my health yeah. yeah so so do you have do you have any particular sort of routine when it comes to nutrition or supplements i um yeah i i mean do you, do you during exercise, um, during exercise, I just try and stay hydrated because most of us tend to be dehydrated. And 
um, I'll always take protein immediately after. And then on the bike, if I'm going to be anything beyond 90 minutes, then I'll make sure I'm fueling with carbohydrate. Um, yeah, I'll make sure I'm fueling with carbohydrate. So I do that. And then just in general supplementation, I just do the obvious stuff like, you know, vitamin D. Mm-hmm. I'm playing around with turmeric at the moment to see if it can, you know, help with inflammation. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not doing anything spectacularly novel, um, except for when the guys come out with a new range, I'm the first to try it. I'm, yeah, I'll try anything, actually. When <laughs> when are these uh, when these top-secret ketone esters came around, I was bashing them down, and it, <laughs> it's like... It's like it's like drinking it's like it's like drinking paint thinners cut with orange juice. I mean, it's just the most appalling stuff. But I'll try anything. I just figure it's it's all good. I'm a human test bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah but um, yeah, I, I keep it simple. Well, uh, so, so then this obviously led to you. You started writing an anonymous blog, right, about your your yeah. experience. Um, do you want to just just talk about that? And it was like, what was your motivation in blogging? And there was obviously some stigma around whether you could yeah. be public about. It. Yeah, I mean, I just thought it was. Um, yeah, I, I was just more and more aware that it was. Um, uh, I was just more and more aware that it was the issue that wasn't talked about. Um, the issue that wasn't talked about, and and I felt, and and this is a while ago now. This is years ago. So, um, yeah, I mean, you and I are veterans of this sort of mental health stuff. Right now, it's like you can be in the press every day saying mental health awareness. Now, I'm joking, really, but this was a few years ago, and I thought I must get this down on paper what I'm thinking. But I wrote it under an anonymous name, and I didn't get any response at all because why are you going to respond to somebody who's not? really going to you know he's not really prepared to put the name to it so but I, I just like the exercise of writing it and it was also a bit therapeutic to write it all down um and then yeah i think it was about three years ago now i thought oh this, you know this is ludicrous so i just changed the blog name and put my own name on it um I wrote a blog about the stigma of mental health at work. I put it out there. I put it on LinkedIn, um, and I thought, let's see what happens. Um, This could go really well or really badly. Um, The first response I got from somebody to the blog was a a city figure. So it was somebody in in a city financial institution institutions and it's fair to say if you could stereotype um, an industry as macho and insensitive and blah blah it will be that and the very first reply i got was from this hard-ass guy in the city who said well done Stephen. that's so well written thank you very much yeah um, and then these replies kept coming in until then i'd got two thousand replies wow. very very quickly very very quickly and not in a single case, not in a single case did anyone say, man up, pull yourself together, you've damaged your career, blah, 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 blah. Um, it was all, there was a lot of me too, and there was a lot of thank you, uh, and there was a lot of um, what would you suggest I do in my situation. But the um, it just kept pouring in. Yeah, did, it just kept pouring did in. Did you... Um 
I, I'm, I'm guessing you didn't take this decision lightly, right? And you and and you you know thought about it a, a lot before you decided to do this. Yeah. Did, did you have to? Did you have to consult anybody? Did you? Did you feel the need to talk to people in your business about it? I mean, you run a, a publicly traded company. I don't. Yeah, are there any yeah. sensitivities around around um, that sort of thing? I discussed it. I obviously discussed it with my wife, and I didn't discuss it with anyone else. And I, the honest truth is, I was shitting myself, you know, before I put it <laughs> up. Because, um, I mean, I mean, you know, business is a competitive arena, and and while you've always got supporters you've always got detractors and i i had this fancy in my mind well you know a couple of these detractors have been on me for a while as soon as they get hold of this it'll do the rounds and um yeah it'll do the rounds and um that'll be me finished so uh that was my worst case scenario um mm -hmm. hasn't occurred i mean somebody might mention it to me any one day but yeah, um, yeah. I didn't consult. I just went for it because I thought in consulting, then that could be a long, long process. And before long, people will be saying, "Tone this down, tone that down." I'll be getting advice. Do your investors really want to know this? You know, is it helpful? Blah blah. So, yeah. So I, I just dived in and went for it. To be honest, do you think that? Um, do you think that your position? So you, you were CEO of Science and Sport at that point, yeah. right? Did, yeah, yeah. Did did that help you a little bit because you were in a very senior position, or do you think that actually um, made it more challenging? Yeah, I, I can bring you up to date on that. I mean, at the time, I mean, you've got to remember, CEO is a very grand title, isn't it? But it's still a small business when all said and done. You know, we, we, we're mm -hmm. not a big business, so the title might sound very grand, but it's not like the CEO of Shell or somebody saying, you know, I've got this issue. So I think that, I think that's, yeah, I think that bit's a bit overblown. So I think, I think actually being a, running a business the size of my business, it was a lot more risk than there was protection from it. So, um, yeah, so it didn't feel to me like my position in any way protected me, rather the opposite, you know, because, um, you know, businesses have good years and bad years fortunately for us we've had a lot of good years it only take a bad year or two and somebody will go well you know that guy's not resilient enough you know yeah um so you you could see that scenario i yeah. mean i could i could I, I could if i fast forwarded you to this year i um so as mentioned once covid got past me i got very very depressed again and um yeah um, and I consulted, yeah, I consulted with, yeah, I, I, I consulted with, I've, I've, I've can't, even though I'm a long way down the road in my career, um, I still take advice from people I've respected and known for a long, long time. So I took some advice and um, I took um, three weeks off. So I took three weeks off work. Um, which by the time I got to the end of three weeks was helpful. Um, I'm now back at work. But when I came back, I, um, yeah, when I came back, we, we, we have a monthly update. So um, we have a monthly update around the business because we're split across sites. So every month we say, here's how the business performing. Welcome to our new starters, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I just told the whole business that I, I, I said, I've been off. Here's why I've been off. Here's the treatment that I'm getting. 
here's where I am today. Um, thanks everyone for your support. Um, and that kind of thing. And then by the time night fell, my inbox was filling up with, um, messages from people in our business saying, um, you've given us permission to speak on the subject. Mm-hmm. So now to your early question, now a CEO saying, look, I'm fragile has given other people permission to say, yeah, you can talk about this. Um, and then some people actually, and, and they, they were just lovely letters and I've met some of them and chatted further, wrote there, I'm suffering and here's why. And blah, blah, blah. so it's created, um, dialogue within our business on on, on the subject and is that has that informed sort of i don't know policies and practices with within the business or is it just more a case of encouraging people to talk about it no we um we um we we we, we, we've got men uh we've got wellness programs in place and have had for a couple of years because the business has grown like hell uh, in terms of numbers of people over the last two years. and um, But also the the business was a fast growth business, but burning cash. But the last couple of years, we've turned that corner and we generate cash. And you start to think like a bigger business a little bit. Mm-hmm. And the welfare of employees, now we've got a few quid um, that we think we can invest in, um, yeah, that we can invest in the wellness of our employees. So we, we, we put in place a couple of years ago now a wellness program. Um, so people have got access to help, professional help. We've got, uh, so we've got, a, we, we, we've got a call line people can call. We've got um, confidential forums people can go to. We run a monthly event on, on a subject. Um, we've, in the summer, we've gone as far as have, having outdoor meditation days and things like that. So we've put in place um, a wellness framework. And um, yeah, it's been very uh, strongly biased towards mental health. Um, and, and, and not because, yeah, not because that's my own personal thing. It's because when we went outside to talk to people about wellness of people in corporations and um, companies uh, mental health's the biggest issue that's not addressed so we thought well let's just take that head on you know yeah there's i guess there's an interesting parallel with sort of what's going on in in high level sport at the moment and we're seeing more mm. more very high profile sports people speak mm. out about their mental health problems whether it's you know michael phelps or naomi osaka or or, or others um it seems like top people in business are not we're not really seeing the same thing happen in business do you, do you think you know I, I agree with that i mean it's it's not a surprise the number of sports people who are coming out now but it always starts with one big name saying i've got this issue and breaking out because um i i remember talking to a very very renowned um uh, head of a very successful sports program a few years ago. And and he was talking to me then about um, the mental fragility of a lot of very elite athletes and things like um, obsessive behavior is an obvious one, isn't it? Um, And he gave me some stats about um, how many elite athletes uh, borderline eating disorder. So he was reeling off all these stats, which I thought, I thought was, 
in many ways obviously interesting and as i've reflected over the last years as sports stories have started to come out i was thinking you know hellfire you're running an elite program um it's all young people who are in your care and you can relate to me an outsider all these mental health issues of borderline mental health issues and it's done in a whispered voice and I lost respect for that guy on that day, to be honest. And it's a very well-known name. I lost respect. So I thought, basically, you're sweeping that under the carpet because mm-hmm. you're winning all these medals. And I just thought, yeah, not not too cool. And and, and, and then more recently, as you say, I think Phelps was one of the first ones, wasn't he? I thought, as yeah. it started to come out, and then what happens is a few brave individuals come out, say the piece. It's a bit like your CEO analogy. Uh, analogy. When you're the world's greatest swimmer, you've probably got more latitude to say your piece. But then, for me, it's been no coincidence that athletes start to disclose their mental health. What follows next? All these terrible tales of abuse of young athletes followed after mental health came on the table. And yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, sort of sickening, really. You know, sickening. Um, Charlie Webster, the um, former runner, she she, she um, hosts one of our science and sport podcasts, and um, she's just come out recently and explained the abuse she suffered as a child athlete and s- some of her friends. And it's just appalling. And it then it's no. What, it's, it's no wonder that as young athletes, uh, sorry, as young adults and older adults, um, people are laden with um, serious mental health issues. But yeah, I think the sport is sport's such a force for good, but managed badly, it's such a force for yeah. bad as well in, in respect of how athletes are treated. Just a, a, a side note, aren't there? there's a couple of a couple of documentaries I've seen recently which I think are, are fascinating on this. One is about Alberto Salazar. And his whole program, and and some experience of some of the young female runners that that, that were under his um, training, and then the other one, I, I love tennis. There's a the fascinating um, documentary on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called Breaking Point, um, um, and it's it's yeah. about a guy called Marty Fish, who was at one time he was number eight in the world. He was the number one U.S. tennis player, mm. and just his experience is just fascinating. I just think tennis is is for me is one of the hardest. Um, uh, mental um, oh. um, um, sports out there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Couldn't, couldn't, yeah. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more strongly. I mean, when you, when you look at somebody like a Roger Federer and and they can lose two or three points in a row and they've got this mental strength to put that behind them and focus yeah. on the here and now. But to do that over four or five hours, oh man, yeah, that is real. That's yeah. That's really real pressure. Real pressure. Yeah. Well, um, look, just g- going back to sort of you know why it's harder for people in business then to 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 speak out about this, um, and and what do you think can be done to to improve that situation? Um, why is it harder? Well, you know, I explained. Um, I explain my technical term of shitting myself before <laughs> I publish this blog because um, it's just it's a competitive arena like sports. It's a competitive arena. Um, there's so much time wasted in business on politics. Um, yeah, so it's just yeah. 
your enemies can creep up behind a hedge and stab you. You know, it's it, it's a bit. It, it, in the worst scenarios, it can be a dog eat dog world in business, and it's very formal. You know, it's it, the, the the rituals of what you wear and where you go and what time you show up and how you how you act in a meeting and what you can say and what you can't say. So, business. Um, we see all these business books about breakthrough innovative organizations, but they're, they're on the end of the bell curve. Most businesses are in the middle. You know, they've got a set of cultural norms and behaviors. And one of them isn't to show the weakness of I've got a mental health issue because a mental health issue. When you talk to somebody in business, they immediately go to this person's faulty. This person can't be responsible to manage a lot of people and a lot of money. Yeah. So it, you know, it's and 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 it's such a shallow understanding of the issue. You know, I, I expressed earlier, I can I can look at big decisions, make big decisions, make really good judgments. Not a problem. Not yeah. a problem. I can look after my shareholders' money well. I, I you know, I two hundred and fifty staff. I can do that bit. It's it, my mental health affects me in a very different way. But the assumption is that. The minute you say I've got a mental health issue, you're faulty, you're broke, and you're not fit to lead people and manage money. And it's very, very strong, and it's going to take many years, if ever, to get around that one. Yeah, I guess. And then at the other end of the spectrum, in the sort of entrepreneurship startup space, there's this whole concept of you know the struggle in inverted column, uh, yeah, yeah, inverted yeah. commas, and just people people glorifying. Um, the the long hours and the hard work and the showing no weakness and it, yeah it, it's it's tough because if you've been in that environment you you need a, a dash of that to be successful and to make it work but at what cost right yeah yeah i mean i didn't yeah i mean i i did a startup um i wasn't very good at a startup by the way uh, <laughs> no me neither no, it, 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 it wasn't, wasn't yeah. the right environment for me but yeah, but that was, it was just, it, yeah, it, that was just, I can't even remember now. It was just three or four years of grind and no cash, you know. So um, I never, you know, when I, when I see these sort of wired magazines and this, that, and the other, some bright stars up, I think, hell fire, that wasn't what I experienced. It's just a dark, dark time. You're just gasping for air, you know, yeah. all the time. I mean, with the, the thing is, when you look at the... Um Again, using a sports performance analogy, when you look at the stats on what this costs the economy, right, and and you know the cost in terms of days off and lost productivity, mm, the businesses mm. that take this seriously and figure this out, that's going to give them an advantage, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I think um, because yeah, this whole issue of being more. Um, I'll tell you what I hate. I hate this term when people use this derisory woke term because I, I think that business is being more mindful and conscious of um, the environment, conscious of inclusion and diversity, conscious of mental health. Is um, I just think it helps. It, 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 it helps. It's exactly what you said. People enjoy work more. People feel more committed to their work. Um, I'm sh- I'm sure there's a huge upside cost. Um, 
I just can't. I just can't lay me. Uh, uh, sorry, a, a, an upside benefit. I just can't lay my hands on any data. Mm-hmm. I've read a few articles trying to take a stab at a more diverse organisation. Is this much more productive? I mean, if one in six of us suffers a mental health issue each year, to your point, I mean, the effect on the economy must be billions, billions. And then you you combine that with, I think, the stat in the United States. I mean, I think this is worse in the United States, right? I think the world culture in the United States makes this worse. I think I read something like 85% of Americans hate their job. Combine the two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, and I wouldn't... um, yeah, I've, I've, that that wouldn't surprise me. You know, they got less holidays, so there's less time. Yeah, th- 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 there's less time for you to relax and look after the self. You know, um, there's no job security like we have over here. You know, yeah. so it's it's um, yeah, yeah. That 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 wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, but somebody needs to somebody cleverer than me um, needs to figure out what the upside is here. So yeah, yeah. what um. What sort of advice would you give somebody that's, you know, in business, maybe they're, you know, they're lower down in an organization and they're going through similar sorts of issues um, just, you know, when it comes to um, starting to tell people about it or seeking help? But from your experience, what, what would you tell them? Oh, you probably won't like this answer. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, I, I, I think... I think in general there's a failure of leadership, um, and so yeah, people. For what I say next, people shouldn't draw the wrong conclusion because I've worked for a number of companies over the years. But the pattern's broadly the same. It's it's you better not mention this stuff mm-hmm. um, because I would guess because I'm I'm a bit in the I don't give a shit phase of my life now so i can go forward and say here's the issue and by the way i I mean i'm now finding more and more people around industry in fact i've just joined the panel of inside out org which is leaders speaking on mental health um issues but that's 20 odd of us now how do we make it 200 and then two and a half thousand you know so until leaders are comfortable and have the issue on the table if I'm somebody in the middle of the organization looking to get on, looking to build a good career, I have got zero, uh, zero um, incentive to disclose. I might be struggling with uh, depression, anxiety, or indeed any other mental health issue. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I can't, if I was brutally honest, I would say, Try and find your support network outside of work. I think unless your organization is very explicit about the support it will provide you and give you a platform, don't do it. Yeah. Uh, because I've seen, I've seen, I've seen, yeah, I'm embarrassed to say I've seen a lot of conversations over many years, including HR people, senior HR people who've written somebody off because of a mental health issue. So yeah. I, I, I'm very sad to say, it, no, it's, it, you know, it's a tough one, isn't it? I, yeah. yeah, don't, I, I'm, don't do it. Try and find support outside. But I got to say, in the broader society, and particularly in the digital age, there's so many more resources now that you can use to find out, get more information. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, was, business is business is still behind the curve by a long way. Yeah, I mean, for for me, the I think one of the one of the reasons I could be open and start talking about it was because I worked mm. for myself at the time. 
Um, yeah. And, and it just, you know, it does make it easier. Um, you know, the, the first podcast that I did with, with, you know, my very good friend who we came up with this idea with in the first place, he needed to be anonymous on it because he's a teacher. And I mean, in that environment, yeah. it's, it's, it's clear exactly. why you, you, you can't yeah, be as yeah, open yeah, about yeah. it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think we're like, I mean, I think, yeah. I think we've just got to keep trying to push the conversation forward. And yeah, I mean, you know, if this podcast ever gets broadcast, you're going to make, you'll see me get it as far and wide as I can. Not because my droning Lancashire voice is <laughs> on it, because the more opportunities we can get to speak, the more awareness it gives. So I didn't expect to get 2000 replies to my blog on LinkedIn. Now, yeah. if, if we can fling this podcast out and we both get a thousand replies or whatever it is, that's great. That's 2000 more people who are engaged in the conversation. Do do you think you would um, would you give the same advice to somebody that's within your organisation, or do you think that because you've spoken out about this, that somebody you know kind of lower down in 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 your company would and should feel comfortable with with speaking? Yeah, out yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. As mentioned, when you know when when I sort of updated the organisation on where I'd been on what I've been doing. Actually, I was just a bit embarrassed in case they thought I'd been on a beach for three weeks. So I said, no, don't worry, it's something more. No, uh, so quite, I mean, yeah, a, a lot of people have come forward to talk to me about that. But, of course, the chief executives made it okay. Now, mm-hmm. and it doesn't always have to be the chief executive. Somewhere in every business, you would hope that some kind of, you know, some senior leader somewhere can, yeah, some I, – I mean, senior leaders, I, I don't know what the stats are, but senior leaders have to be more prone to mental health issues just because of the yeah. constant grind and stress. So, well, and, and, you, and also the, the stage of life, right? I mean, that's yeah, yeah, the yeah. other thing with when I look at my peers, um, and especially men in particular, I think this just hits so many people when they're in their 40s. Oh, big time. Well, yeah, as I expressed right at the start, that's when I really got my head around this is what's happening to me because, um, yeah, when I was younger, I was just a miserable sob. But when I was older, <laughs> I realized this is really affecting my life, you know. Yeah. So then, you know, I guess maybe the key the key is that more people in similar positions like yourself need to start no talking about yeah. this and be no more doubt. open about it. Yeah, right? yeah that, and that's why I joined this Inside Out leadership board just because if you go through that they're about to publish the 2021 leadership group i think because mm-hmm. it's world mental health day on sunday so i gotta say it's on sunday and there are a lot of big names in uh big companies there put the names to this and just we would just got to encourage more and more of it yeah yeah all right we'll put yeah. we'll put the link to that in in the notes um yeah. before we wrap this up is there is there anything that you um we haven't covered that you'd like to add no, no. I mean, we've mentioned exercise. We, yeah, yeah. I mean, sort of really detailed stuff because we sort of came together through a cycling world, you know, a cycling thing. So just I try and do lots of small things to help improve my mental health. Um, yep. So, so for example, I do a daily 20-minute mindfulness meditation. I've done 700 days in a row. Mm-hmm. Um I've done, I gave, 
I put down my last glass of red wine in an airport in Italy slightly over three years ago. I've never looked back. I thought that's got to help. Alcohol's a, you know, it's a depressant. Yeah. I do the exercise. I go down the gym and I'll start lifting a heavy weight bar and then somewhere about, and my mind's still full and then somewhere about 40 minutes into the workout, my mind goes clear and um, it's like iron meditation. And same on the bike. I go out on the bike, the mind's going after about an hour, all you can hear is your wheels turning. You can start to look around you at nature. So I just try and put together a lot of small things, but I build the whole thing around exercise and fitness. But I've just found all these sort of bolt-ons that, who can't afford 20 minutes in a day to just you know shut your eyes and think even five minutes works to be honest so 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 that's all really i I think it's um i I mean you asked the question earlier do you think it's chemical or environmental i i I think it's everything and and i think a more holistic approach to looking after yourself um yeah i found really helpful particularly in the last five years Signal in the last five years. It's it's a bit like that sort of marginal gains analogy, isn't it? It's sort of aggregation of these little things that you can do, whether it's exercise, diet, lifestyle, avoiding booze, it it all helps. Yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 and, and, I mean, my I guess my last point really, because it's what we're doing now, talking about it. The most powerful thing is to talk about it to somebody. Yeah, who has got empathy, and they may. They may have a mental health issue. You know, you don't have to seek out another depressive like me. Just talking to somebody who you know will listen to you. Yeah. Um, that, for me, has been the most powerful. So the more people we can encourage to talk to each other about what's going on with the mental health, that is the, that's the best medicine of, the, of all of them. Yeah. Of all of them is talking to somebody. All right. That is a, that's a great place to leave this. Um uh thank you for being so um uh giving us such an insight into your um into your history and talking about this this stuff so candidly um Mm. i think it's i think it's extremely valuable and i hope people get some 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 good value out yeah Yeah. i can send a i can send a lancashire accent translation booklet out with every listening of it so that would be that would be very (laughs) helpful especially for um if there are any american listeners (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When I go to America, I might as well be talking to the wall. Nobody, <laughs> nobody's got a clue what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Stephen. Cheers, Alex. Thank you. So that's it for this episode of the Black Dog Cast. If you liked what you heard, please give us a rating or review on iTunes or your podcast platform of choice. More importantly, I'd encourage you to share the podcast with your friends and start a conversation about mental health.